I'm Martin Willis, your host, and welcome back. This is the third show this week, actually, but uh, this is the second show that's going on on the pod- podcast stream. And uh, what's happened is uh, I am booked way ahead, and this particular guest, I'm really glad to have him on, uh, Mark Marinchio, Marinchio, something like that. He can correct me. Uh, he's coming up. Uh, uh, for this show in particular, because he also has a uh, casting call coming up. So I didn't want him to miss that because uh, who knows, uh, someone listening to this may be just the person that he's looking for. But we're going to be talking about uh, Skinwalker Ranch. It's always a fascinating topic. And he was right in there for, I believe it was three or four months and uh, saw all kinds of things happen firsthand. And um, we'll talk a little bit about, he's got quite an extensive background. I want to encourage you to take a look in the show notes or in the text down below in the YouTube and uh, look at his bio. It's pretty amazing. He's done a lot of things and he has a lot of interest in the topic of what we're going to be talking about, paranormal in general, but UFOs as well. And it's my pleasure to have him on the show. Welcome, Mark. Hey Martin, thanks for having me. It's Marinaccio. You were you were really close. Marinaccio. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh yeah. I, I forgot to ask you before <laughs> we went live how to pronounce that. But That's anyway, okay. close enough, right? And uh, but thank Absolutely. you. And uh you have had an interest in this a long time and you've done a lot of work. If just briefly for the person that has never heard uh from you before. What is your background and why did you kind of have an interest in this and kind of head in that direction when it comes well, to filming I, and all that? Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up uh, in the world in a way. My mom is um, a sensitive psychic. I mean, back in the seventies, it wasn't really called that. Right. But she grew up, I grew up with her very much having, uh, you know, these abilities, but also being in tune and spiritual, um, and my father um, loved watching science fiction movies and TV shows. So you can imagine, you know, I never really stood a chance to do anything else, but <laughs> go down this road. <laughs> and so I, you know, I always had an interest and in a, in a, a career path towards filmmaking, storytelling, writing, um, directing. And I went to did my thing in film school and then came out to Los Angeles and not too long after I got here, this sort of reality boom started. And so suddenly I found myself with this incredible opportunity to go out to places and explore things that I was interested in and that I wanted to tell stories about anyway. So uh, the first paranormal show that I did was Ghost Hunters. I ran the field uh, for Ghost Hunters back in season three, three and a half and four. Um, So... Mm. Yeah, in fact, the very first episode I produced of, of Ghost Hunters, produced and directed, was the Lep Castle, Ireland, um, you know, the whole Ireland and UK um, group of, of shows. So, you know, I went into be, being a storyteller because of my interest in the unexplained and, you know, uh, the unknown. And really, it was always you know, UFOs and aliens. That's kind of where I really got, you know, my interest when I was young. Um and, you know, partially because of the the TV shows and movies that I watched, partially because of, of you know, my background and other things. But just I, I have a great imagination. I still do. And I love all these 
possibilities. I always say if I was much smarter, I would have been some kind of scientist, right? Studied, you know, maybe quantum mechanics or something. Um, hmm. So I always love the idea of, you know, the, the potential science that explains the unexplained, right? Um, today's, today's paranormal is tomorrow science, right? But, um, you know, so shows like Star Trek and uh, Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, all these kinds of shows and, and movies, you know, just really got me interested in the ideas of, of, wow, one day, what will the technology be? And then what will that mean and open the door? And that was just, you know, as a child. And then obviously, as I, I grew in my understanding of the world and limited understanding of the universe grew, I... um started looking for how can I start to make some connections? What can I do? How can I be actively participating in the story of what is it all? What is it? Um, and so as a storyteller, when I got the opportunity to get onto ghost hunters, I jumped at it. And then pretty much for the last, you know, 22 or so years, um, my resume is primarily paranormal, unexplained ghosts, monsters, UFOs, Bigfoot, mysteries, curses, you know, with the occasional series here or there that's off that path, but it's been the main direction. And then, you know, of course, I, I write and whatnot as well, all in the same wheelhouse. Hmm. Wow. And so what was uh, just I, I I remember seeing Ghost Hunters, it was called, right? Yeah, Ghost Hunters was, you yeah. know, the OG paranormal show. Yeah. And uh, what was that like? I mean, those castles can be really eerie. But, um, you know, I think it's some of that is some of that now that you look back on it. I don't want to say stage, but do you think it's over exaggerated or, you know, like um, sounds and things like that? You know, so the the editing of you know, the presentation of any thing is about the presenter's influence on it or how they want to make you feel you know um you know horror movies are fake yet you can't stop but jump and shiver when shot a yeah. plus shot b equals shot c you know and that's not staged or fake that's literally the movie is is trying to elicit a an emotion from you or um you know, sort of stimulate certain areas. And so with paranormal shows, yeah, they're meant to do different things depending on the shows, you know, and ghost hunters. I mean, it's, it's legitimately guys walking around in the dark with flashlights in the creepiest places in the world at night. And so the music and the editing, you know, the, the psychology of storytelling uh, lends to the experiences that you have when you watch it, ideally. You know, it's not a science show. It's not a, you know, it's not um, a comedy, right? I mean, so so it's, it's you know, it, sensationalized in a way that is, you know, appropriate for the content. So uh, I'd like to jump right into Skinwalker Ranch because I think that yeah. that place is fascinating. So, you know, so many... Uh, you know, I've had a number of people on this show, including Brandon and um, trying to think of the other people. Uh, Brard, what's his last name is Brard. I can't think of his first name. Eric Bard. Uh, yeah, that's him. And uh, Dave Mason, who's yeah. on this season now. Uh, he's been on a number a few times. And, you know, Travis Taylor, people like that. But 
the bottom line, I, I read Skinwalker Ranch. Um, I can't remember the name, the title of the book exactly by uh, George Knapp and uh, uh, Comb, Comb Keller uh, yeah. several years ago. And it just kind of blew me away, some of those things. Um, so how did all that come about? You you ended up, I mean, I really would, I have this thing where I really want to get on the ranch. I talked to Brandon off air about it. I said, Brandon, is there any way that my producer, Donna, and I could come out to the ranch? And he said, sure, but, you know, let, let's check with, you know, everyone that's involved. And it was just going to be too much of a hassle for everyone. So I didn't want to. Yeah, you really can't go out there during filming. It's just too much of a of a logistical, you know, um, imposition. Um, yeah. But Brandon's great. Brandon's such a great guy. Yeah. So, you know, I read the book uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker. Um, that's it. George Knapp, yeah. Kelleher, right? Yeah. I read that yeah. book in that come out like 2005, I guess. And um, I've tried to get on that ranch ever since then. It was the number one place I wanted to visit in the world for, because of everything being, you know, what supposedly happened on that place being every kind of paranormal, unexplainable phenomena, you know, that's ever been experienced ever anywhere, all happening at one place. So the idea was intriguing. And, you know, you couldn't first, you know, Bigelow obviously owned it and the military and DIA did their uh, the research there. And then Brandon bought it. So there was just no way to get on it. And I pitched every show imaginable to every network throughout the 15 years that was, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, adja ranch adjacent, right? We can get on the Mesa above the ranch. We can get behind the ranch. Ah, we can get next to the ranch. Wow. But there wasn't yeah. enough, but there wasn't enough, you know, understood or, or interest in that, that space for people to care about an area outside of just the actual ranch. Now you've got blind frog ranch, you've got, you know, space wolf research, you've got the entire Uinta basin open up for exploration because it's, you know, the ranch happens to be the most heavily investigated single location within that area uh, over the longest period of time. But it doesn't mean there aren't similar things happening everywhere. In fact, there are around that Uinta basin. So, you know, for 15 years, I wanted to get there. And um, when I was asked if I would uh, come to, to, to run and produce show run and produce the season three, you know, I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's somewhere I want, not only a place I wanted to get to, but a story that I wanted to be a part of because my approach to making these shows isn't, you know, just document whatever happens. I'm very engaged and I work with the teams, whether it's, they're ghost hunting, Bigfoot hunting, UFOs or aliens and bring, you know, my years of experience, my approach as um, I can play audience member, I can play researcher, I can play, you know, producer, director, storyteller, writer. So I can wear a lot of hats or look through a lot of different lenses and approaching it. But I also, you know, had the have the ability to have perspective. Right. So. They've had already done two seasons. I'd watched both seasons. I've been a part, you know, under trying to understand that ranch and every aspect of it for, like I said, 15 years. So when I went in, you know, I said, hey, well, it looks like this works and you've done this and done that. What are you guys thinking about doing? What do you want to do? You know, and, and look where I can add value. Right. And then obviously support the ideas. But look where I can add value with my own ideas and um, direction. And of course, they're the, they're the scientists, right? And they're the, the ones doing it all. They don't have to listen to me at all. But I hope that um, I bring enough to the table to be, you know, to be 
an integral part of that. And that's how I approach every one of the projects I do. You know, the, the, the part about making the TV show is what gets me access to places that most people never get access to. So making mm. the TV show is the reward for the audience, right? For, for investing their time. Um, and I, I take that very seriously and I love telling stories, but you know, below all that, below the surface, it's just me wanting to go to these great places and be a part of these experiences. Well, wow. um, so why don't you describe like, you going in the first time, what it was like, and uh, how long were you there ahead of them actually filming and you being part of that? So, you know, I think, um, first of all, I recorded myself on video when I went through the gates for the first time. It was that big of an experience to me. You know, I, I made sure to document, you know, punching in the code and driving through and wow, this is, this is going to walk around. And I'll tell you, the first thing that I noticed that was really odd was how peaceful it was there hmm. once you once i got out of the car looked at it, it was quiet it was you know beautiful landscape that was peaceful it was serene when you go to like an old haunted castle or hospital or asylum you feel the weight of it you know and tragedy hmm. you know punch you in the gut when you walk through the doors and that's just not skinwalker ranch which was actually surprising right because of everything you've ever heard about the place so that was interesting to me but, you know, going through, it was just really like, wow, I mean, I'm, I'm actually here. I'm actually on this property. I'm going to be here for the next, you know, at the time, you know, 12, 13, 14 weeks, uh, which that turned out to be a little bit longer. It's about four months total. Um, and, you know, it, it was just a moment of great sense of accomplishment because had it not been for the career I had built prior to that moment, I would not have had the opportunity to be where I was at that moment. Sure. So all those years mm. I spent trying to get to the ranch while, you know, continuing to make shows that were allow about that world, you know, as a whole is what got me on the ranch. Not any of the shows mm. I pitched before, just what I had done, you know, in the past, which is fun. So we were, we get there, I think we get there about two weeks before filming begins, something like that, a couple of weeks. We're prepping the show from the office, um, lining up whatever needs to happen um, well in advance of that. But then I think we get there maybe two or so weeks before filming begins. Enough time, especially for me to meet Travis and Brandon and Eric and everybody and, and Dragon and Thomas and... Um, get to know them a little bit and then get the lay of the land and see where everything is. And then, uh, you know, pretty, pretty quickly after that, we're just jumping right into it. You know, every, the trailers are getting dropped off and the, you know, the gear and this and that, and everyone's putting the lighting up and doing, you know, just doing what we got to do. Meanwhile, Eric never stops and he's always installing new camera systems or having new security measures put up for, for capturing, you know, phenomena. So, we also have to get to, up to speed on that, make sure, okay, how do we make sure we get the footage when you're done so they can get on the show? And, you know, what does that add to everything? And then, you know, the big thing about Skinwalker Ranch, like a lot of places, but way, way more so there, is you have to have redundancies. I mean, no matter how oh, yeah. many cameras you have up, the phenomena that you see will be in the spot that's not being filmed or mm -hmm. is being filmed, but that camera decides to point itself at the ground just at the moment that there's, you know, a, a UFO or something popping up. So building in redundancies, you know, um, and then just the basics of like internet, 
so we could <laughs> work you know, while we're there. So it's a lot. Of, it's a lot to do. I would think that internet would not be an easy thing to get in there because it's so isolated. You know, it's not, but it's it is and it isn't. I mean, the gate where the gate is that's a residential road that right on the other side of the gate there's houses. You know, so I it's not. Know it's, mm. You know, yeah, mm. it's it's isolated as as far as it's not. You know, the closest town being like Roosevelt or Vernal, which are you know a good chunk of distance away, 30 minutes or so. Um, so yeah, so you're not popping into the corner store for, you know, to grab, grab a Coke or anything without driving 30 minutes or, or something, you know? Um, so it is pretty much out there in the middle of nowhere. And then even those towns are very small, but it is like a regular, you know, it is, it does have an entry on, uh, there's a grant. There's only maybe four or five houses there, but there are other properties there. Um, you know, now it's easy. Like I, I was out in the desert and I just had a Starlink with me, a little portable Starlink, and I got broadband level oh, yeah. speed no matter where right. in the middle of nowhere where I was. So it's, you know, but even then it was, a, that really wasn't a thing yet. So, um, yeah, it was a little and bit if someone, the If someone is uh, uh, trying to get into the place, is it just a gate that's holding them out? I mean, there's no security there outside. I understand there's a lot of people always trying to get in there. Do you see a lot of that? Oh. Uh, your your mic is muted. I can see it right there. Let me see what happened if I can try to do something. Now right. try that. How about now? Does it yeah. work now? You're fine now. Oh, that's yeah. Weird. yeah, I got a notification yeah. that said your browser lost connection with your mic. Um, ah. It's Oh, yeah. when you talk about Skinwalker Ranch, we we always say, yeah, that's right. We say, you know, <laughs> yeah. When something happens like this and electronics don't work, we say you've been ranched, and it happens without fail every <laughs> time, every time. Um, so you know, th there's a there's a security gate there, and again, cameras and sensors. There's even, you know, the the property begins before the gate, so there's a big, um, tower with cameras and, and lights on it and, and a, and a speaker. And so when you get to that point, you know, if you pass that to get to the gate, you're trespassing, but it's an automatic sensor. And it'll tell you, you know, like, you know, you can't go past this point. Um, and then, you know, you, people do, I, I imagine try to sneak on a lot, uh, but it's a pretty well, you know, it's, it, anybody could get anywhere if they really try, but good luck getting on a place that's got cameras and sensors covering every square inch of it. I mean, this it's, it's, yeah, it's not really realistic. Yeah. And you mentioned something earlier and, you know, I've often thought about that as well. And that is, uh, you know, the surrounding areas. I mean, a phenomenon would have no borderline, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, Oh, this is, the ranch and the property stops here and the deed well, says it depends it on what the phenomena is. I, I would have <laughs> always, I always said the same exact thing, but there were multiple times where the ranch appeared to be targeted. And the, you know, for instance, if we're capturing the 1.65 gigahertz signal with an antenna that's pointed straight at where we are on the ranch and you move the antenna just a you know, a fraction of of an inch a centimeter a millimeter in any direction and the signal's lost so that signal is very very pointed you know um the the anomaly above the triangle you know uh, not sure of course that could spread but it appears to be 
concentrate it right over the area of the triangle. Um, so it is a little bit like, you know, interesting. And then there's the, the area that we did the lateral drilling and the digging. Um, so I would normally say, of course, it's everywhere, you know, it, it's got no boundaries, but that then would assume that I know what all boundaries look like. Hmm. Hmm. And as far as uh, a lot of people talk about uh, at Skinwalker Ranch in particular about being worried about a hitchhiker effect. Was that something that you ever had thought about? That's like what I'm just talking about right now. It could be as simple as electronics don't work when you're, you know, off the ranch. Um, that's happened. Mm. That happens all the time to people. It happened to my wife, happened to friends of mine after I came back. Um, you know, it's happened on the ranch. But the true hitchhiker effect is really, you know, that phenomena follows you wherever you go in different ways, different kinds of phenomena, right? So for some people, it may be um, negatives, maybe positive. Uh, but, you know, we used to call that attachment in in the traditional sort of paranormal world. It was just an attachment, um, which is a very real thing. Something attaches to you. Now, if you think about it from a potentially scientific point of view, you know, you can look at it maybe as quantum entanglement, right? You're, you're, mm. you're creating this connection with something on that quantum level via, you know, consciousness, subconsciousness, brain chemistry, whatever it is. And, you know, you don't know how to break that connection. So, you know, quantum entanglement, which is, I believe, a lot of what's going on there is a fascinating thing because of just the connection between two places or, you know, uh, you know things, electrons, protons, whatever they are, um, without us being able to see what that connection mechanism is. So if you can't see it, mm. certainly how could you sever it? But also it means that there's something that exists outside of our observable universe. Um, but that idea that these things are now connected in some way. Uh, and so if there's something like that taking place on the ranch and it's boom, you get that connection and now it's made in your brain. Um, then of course the, the distance in space is, you know, not, not a value in the equation mm. when it comes to that quantum entanglement, right? It's, so to us, we think it's weird that it's happening to me on the ranch, but then, whoa, it's happening to me a hundred thousand miles away or whatever it is. Well, that's only because distance is a construct of our reality of our observable universe. But if there's a connection that, that is, that exists outside of the observable universe, the idea that our distance and our universe would apply to it is, you know, does it, doesn't necessarily make sense. So, yeah, I think once there's mm -hmm. those connections made, absolutely. You know, I now, haven't had anything talked, negative though. Well, that's good. You talked about um, having the peaceful feeling, and you also talked about being in the castle and having like the weight of whatever happened there. Yeah. Uh, did you ever feel other than the peaceful feeling? Did you ever feel like anxious or feel like there was something? there while you were there yeah so it's funny because i was just talking about this where there'll be there will be times when you know for no reason whatsoever out of nowhere suddenly everybody's really kind of like angry with each other you know huh. um you know what I mean? Like everybody's kind of like just for no reason, like uh, getting on each other's nerves and, you know, um, it, it's just really odd. It's just really odd. And you sort of recognize 
wait a minute, let's take a step back. Like we're all at each other's throats for no reason right now. Everybody take a breath or take a walk. And I think that that is, I think that that absolutely is something that's, that's part of the, the phenomena of the ranch, you know, the ability for, you know, maybe it's electromagnetic interference, right? Maybe it's frequency, maybe it's something, you know, um, that has, uh, you know, something that we can measure, right? Um, Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's not intentional. Um, I don't know, but yeah, but that would, that's uncomfortable when that happens, when you're just like, wait a minute, why are we all doing this? You know, why is it? And then it's gone. It's just gone the next day. And the guys would tell me like, yeah, sometimes you just, everybody's like just real aggro one day and, you know, everyone's just in the same mood. Um, but then that's it. Then it's gone. And like, whoa, that was weird. So, um, that was uncomfortable. There was also times when things happened that, that were definitely very scary. If you watch season three, you know what happened to, um, Tom Lewis, you know, how he, um, um, yeah, I did see that, had the, how he dropped down and had the heart issues and had he to had to rushed, go to the hospital. Know, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And his heart was, was put into, um, arrhythmia because he, the doctor said something electrical, right. Um, put his heart out of rhythm and, um, that's scary, right? Because, you know, you get excited about what you're doing from, you know, an experimental and investigation science and phenomenological point of view. And it's easy to sometimes forget the actual dangers. And so, you know, being all like, this is amazing. Oh my God, this crazy stuff. And then someone, you know, has something like that. It it makes you, you know, it's sort of points, you know, put your ears back up and like put you on alert where you remember like, you know, those of us that signed up to be there and understand, okay, but let's make sure we're not, you know, putting others who didn't. And of course, Tom, you know, he knew the knew the risks and whatnot, but still it doesn't make us, especially me, feel badly um, as a producer, you know, that's that's engaging in in people being active in the investigation and, and doing what they're doing. Um, you know, that you're always responsible for everyone on set everyone on location even though it's someone else's property and you're there documenting it you know you're you're not it's not your property it's not our property it's not even our investigation we're documenting what's going on but you still have a responsibility to everybody just as a producer as an executive producer uh, regardless if because if they're involved in your filming if i've put a microphone on you and i'm pointing a camera at you then i'm responsible for you in some way uh so that's that's definitely that kind of stuff is scary. You know, we've had people that when they get there, they're suddenly getting really, really bad headaches. Um, mm. You know, th- what happened to Thomas Winterton with his head, you know, and he would start to get bad feelings. It'd be like, get off the property, just go, you know, just go, just don't, don't worry about us. And he's like, I, I got to get out of here. I'm like, go, you know, cause you don't want, you know, you don't want to, again, to have people, you know, hurt in any way. So, um, those things, those times are scary. Now, from a sort of phenomena point of view, there are some times where, you know, it's it's late at night, you're kind of far from base camp and, and the command center, and there's some noises, there's some lights, there's some sounds. Yeah, it's a little bit scary only from the, uh, I hope it's not an animal, 
for me anyway, because uh -huh. I enjoy those ex other experiences and I'm, that's what I'm there for. Uh, so I'm not scared of encounters or experiences from the, you know, the strangeness. Um, get more, a little more fearful of the, of the animals that might be uh, roaming around there. Right. Right. And have you ever talked to anyone, you know, like Eric about why he thinks or what, kind of a consensus of why this place in particular has all these things happening. I mean, is there something geological or uh, could there, you know, I mean, it's all just theory at this point, but I well, guess I would like to ask you what your thoughts are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there, there have, they, they have guys have put theories out, you know, and I think the first season, um, you know, Travis talked about how the whole, basin looked like an impact site um and sort of what that could mean to to some of the phenomena i mean there are things that you know that i think are possible but the beauty of that show and the investigation is that there's not like they're very light on speculation as scientists it's it's don't speculate you know experiment measure repeat so you know, I don't think you're going to get from them something that they can't back up with science. And that's, that's, that's good. That's what's good about the, about the show and, and what Brandon has set up there, because, you know, really the experiences are amazing and I love experiences, but without data, true science, a, a, a real understanding of it all, you know, won't come about. So, um, now, from my perspective, um, as having having been interested in it a long time and then being out there for four months, is that I think that, like a lot of places, a lot of other places in the world, there are these intersection points, if you want, if you would call them that, that um, maybe it's part of the multiple interacting world theory, right? Um, maybe it's a dimensions thing, but I just think that there are places for whatever reason where there are temporary windows or doorways that are open or are opened into different spaces, places, or time. Um, so I think a lot of what we see at the ranch with the phenomenon is more of an interdimensional sort of phenomenon. And, and I look at that from the, the, you know, the, all the way from the exotic aliens or whatever, or interdimensional beings, down to the scientifically mundane, which is just the physics of, of parallel worlds and multiverse and, and multiple dimensions, um, something on top of something, but because of the way in which the dimension in which we perceive the world or, or exists, we don't see that. Um, yet a more advanced civilization may know how to sort of uh, travel interdimensionally between those spaces. Um, the, the anomaly above the triangle is something that is really perplexing because you know i we i've seen with my own eyes you know aside from the data and the experiments it, things that don't make sense with this anomaly you know lasers stopping uh or splitting or even bending um helicopter you know is up above it and we do this in season three where you know they're from you could see it in the footage they're looking down they're right over the triangle when we look at the helicopter, it's nowhere near the triangle. 
and that yeah, would be because of some kind that. of lensing yeah. distortion, which is really a you know, but there's nothing, there's no physical object there, so it has to be you know a time space anomaly. Something is actually bending the light, like a glass of water, a ball, you know, a mirror would do something like that. Um, so that is that is something that can be understood with science at some point, which may open the door to understanding more about what everything else is that we see in the world. That's part of the high stream just UAPs, UFOs, beings, entities, you know, whatnot. Like if we can, if they, if there's a door or a window that we can open from our side, um, then that sort of changes the game for, for what we can yeah. understand. I also think that it's going to require a lot more time and a lot more generations of, kids being interested in that sort of science to to till we get to those sort of breakthrough points um generally speaking i don't can't speak for what the the military has or government has yeah yeah there's you know there's there is speculation that uh, you know i've heard people speculate that when they see these craft that those craft are interdimensional traveling you know, craft. Uh, but, you know, that's just one of the theories. There's a lot of really interesting theories. Now I see, did you just mute your own mic? You probably did. Yeah. Uh, hang on a second. It's, uh, I don't understand. Go ahead. Try it again. <laughs> Here we go with the, are you, I think you're ranched. Um, so take your, uh, yeah, it's not working. So take your uh, settings down at the bottom, settings down at the bottom of the screen and bring it up and click on audio and do a drop down till you get to your mic. Uh, that's weird that it. Yeah, it's still it it's up. There. there. It is. Okay. Oh, it's, it's all set now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just. I think the wire is a little loose, and if I nudge it with my hand for the mic, it temporarily disconnects it, and then Streamyard mutes it. Um, yeah. So oh, I get it. Yeah. So that's probably right. So. Um, the interdimensional beings thing. I, I really or interdimensional travels, I really gravitate more towards because I've always had this hard, you know, it's always been difficult for me to accept that there is this linear travel that takes place for, for beings from other planets or, or places. I felt like it seemed like an over, you know, an oversimplification of something that's truly incredibly complicated. And it's, and I felt like it was our, our limited intelligence explaining something that is so far advanced that most likely whatever the explanation is, is something that we won't comprehend. And so whenever yeah, I say that often, we, yeah, you know, right. So whenever we can, th whenever we think it's a simple answer uh, for something that's way, you know, way more advanced, it, there's no way that's the answer. Mm -hmm. We just can't, we don't have a comprehension of the answer. So um, I always thought that that doesn't make sense that I think that it's more of a, of an ability to um, open, like I said, these doorways or these windows, whether they're wormholes, portals, you know, intersecting worlds, I don't know, but there are, there are some interesting things. If you look at abduction scenarios, alien abduction scenarios, um, specifically you look at missing time and, 
you know, people have this bright flash of light sometimes, or they see something in the sky. And then next thing you know, they lost 45 minutes and like, what happened? I don't know what happened. I lost it. What something must have happened to me during that time. Well, if you look at like wormholes, for instance, you're talking about, you know, essentially something equivalent to like a black hole in a way that you're going to have an event horizon where time will move differently the closer you are to that event horizon and it will move differently for a distance outside of that. And so for people with missing time, and if if these if UFOs or UAPs are using a, a sort of um portal wormhole interdimensional sort of travel that requires that tear in time space, it's going to create, you know, essentially a wake in which there's going to be a time dilation effect the closer you are to it. And so maybe people are sometimes just caught in that wake as a, as a, a, a you know, a craft or whatever is entering or exiting um, its own version of of what we think of as a wormhole or a portal. And so if you're close enough to it, you didn't lose 45 minutes. It just didn't exist for you because time moved differently in that space you were in for that particular moment. So, Very you interesting. Know, yeah. Yeah. So that that also makes me like, I look at like all the, coral, you know, circumstantial, but all the sort of ways that I can correlate different information from not just the stories, but the data and the science. So, um what what have i've seen over 20 years plus of doing this professionally um i try to put these things together and see could this be could there be a relationship maybe not causality but could there be a relationship between why people have missing time and the way in which uap travel you know we know mm -hmm. that it's a fact dia documented you know out there for the, in the public domain um report you know, the acute and subacute effects on biological tissue from interactions with anomalous technology. So UAPs, you know, the more the people that have a lot of close, um, close proximity to UAPs suffer some very similar to others, um, detrimental neurological and physical effects. And this is documented in, you know, they, they've said yeah. this is a real thing. Um, so yeah. we know the body and the environment is affected by close proximity to these, these, you know, UAP. Um, until we know what exactly is going on there, I think everything's on the table for what could be happening that would be causing those, those effects. And I think that, you know, look, maybe one of the reasons why they're evasive is because it's, they're harmful, you know, and they're, mm. they're just, I mean, you know, Travis Walton now, I mean, his, he now believes that, you know, fire in the sky, you know, he, he now believes that he was taken up aboard the ship so they could heal him from right. the inadvertent yeah. exposure to their, to their, you know, right from rate. Cause we see radiation, we see high electromagnetic field. We see, you know, a lot of things that um, cause very detrimental physical effects to people that get in close proximity with these. So, you know, it could be, as simple as they are dangerous and they are trying not to be harmful. <laughs> Maybe they're, you know, I, mm -hmm. one of the things I think goes on with the ranch, what specifically when you, when it comes to spherical UAPs, which are all over the world um, and, and going back to missile silos, foo fighters, they seem to pop up whenever there's something that could be sort of investigated. Um, and we see it at the ranch a lot. That's how we can trigger a phenomenon, right? We shoot a rocket at the triangle, a UFO UAP appears. We drill into the Mesa, 
all hell breaks loose, a UAP appears. Um, you know, as if to say, what's going on here? Is this something harmful? And I think that, you know, there's a possibility that these maybe are something left over, maybe an ancient mining operation, like our satellites are communicating with oil rigs and relaying the information to home base. If there's a problem with the rig, maybe they're there to look at um, changes to the to the planet from uh, normal cataclysmic events to, to man-made for, for some reporting purpose. I, I don't know. But... Um, you know, when you see these things sort of pop up and, and look around and almost as if there are they are looking to see what's going on, like we triggered them, then it lends me to believe because of that, they are something that um, is has an intentional purpose. And the purpose is somehow for, for some other reason to see if something is a problem. Problem mm. to who or what I can't say to us them, but that seems pretty consistent through a lot of the experiences and reports of the years. So if that's the if that's the purpose, and not to harm us, but exposure to them will harm us, then they're going to keep their distance. You know, I also mm. think that you know it's very possible we you know we fire a rocket up into the triangle and then we see a UAP. It's possible that in some other space, place, or time. You know, somebody's observing that anomaly from a different perspective and they see a fireball go up, you know, which is our rocket. So they send their drone out to get a closer look at it. And we see what their drone, but their drone is our UAP. Um, and it, so it could just be a space that's interacting with other space or time at the same time. And so we're seeing a lot of um, other people or beings or whatever also interacting with that same space. I think that's a possibility. If uh, in that particular case, would you think that say, if we nuked the planet, it would somehow affect their dimension? I mean, that's, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. I wouldn't even know how to answer that. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like if there's, if there's an answer that is something that I can actually understand, that's probably not the answer. Right. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm curious if somebody was to do that, would they stop it? Is there, is yeah. there a, are they a method of protecting, um, you know, life? Uh, on this planet for some reason or just protecting the planet itself maybe they don't care about us but their job is just the planet uh maybe it's maybe it's reporting things you know i, I don't know it'd be interesting to see you know if if you know um nasty aliens invaded earth would they pop up and protect us <laughs> you know? and then go back to hiding yeah. in the mesa or wherever they were i don't know it's interesting it's really interesting i don't i think that there's a lot um involved in that 1.65 gigahertz signal or some similar frequency signal because that's documented in the UAP reports um, that's been going back to the 70s. It happened similar stuff was in mm. Hesdalen with the Hesdalen lights. So I think there's some frequency signal value um, that as it's, as it's researched more and more can be used for sort of a deeper communication and contact. Right now, you know, we've, we used that signal, that sound from that signal on Skimwork Ranch, broadcasted it from an FM radio station. And the next day, got footage from, from somebody in, the, in our hotel from that showed six, eight 
you know, red UFO type objects appearing over their neighborhood within hours of our broadcast. So, you know, there seems to be a very, a very significant relationship to that, that signal and these phenomena. Um, are there other signals? Are there other ways, you know, I mean, the thing is like, we, we know there's a information being broadcast on that frequency, but without the right type of receiver, don't know what the information is. Right. How do, so we can get a sound of the modulation of it, but what's the actual information? How do you convert it to data that we can understand? Right. Is it if it was music, we'd be able to turn the dial and we'd hear music. You know, if it was, um, you know, something else that we've got a device that knows what to do with it, maybe. But we don't because we don't know what it is. And if you don't even know you don't even know what the tools are to use. How can you, you know, fix the barn or the shed? I mean, you can't, if you don't even know what tools you would use to, to fix it. So it's the same kind of mm. thing. If I'm trying to measure mm. something and it, and it requires a ruler and I take a hammer out there, I mean, you know, so that's, that's how limited I think our understanding is of these things to, to, we don't even know, which, which, which is why, whatever one's doing with the, you know, with the continual sort of um, interest and in looking for their own evidence and experiences is valuable because it's most likely, you know, I, I think a lot of information and advancement is going to come by accident. I've you said know, a number of times on this show, yeah, probably people sick of hearing me say this, but a lot of times I think that um, the government, our U S government probably knows a lot more but not at all or not or maybe not even exactly what it is and perhaps that's one of the reasons why it keeps you know getting put on the back burner like when well, Project maybe Google i mean closed there, all the way back then and you know there's no way they don't they uh, they absolutely know more than we do that's the job right i mean we cannot have yeah. a government that doesn't know more about things going on in our in our space than we do right they, they have to um I imagine a lot of it's theoretical, even if they're even if you go as to far as to say they've got downed craft and they're reverse engineering them or whatnot, doesn't mean they fully understand the science still. You know, um, it doesn't mean they understand the why and the where it came from. You know, so so I think that probably the limits of what you know anybody in 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 a, a better position to know have information knows. The limits probably stop at the, you know, um, what is this thing and and don't go into the, you know, why is it here and where did it come from and how did it come from there? I think the how it traveled here from wherever is probably the next big question. And that is where the 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 physics um you know, the future understanding of physics, of, of quantum um, physics, of entanglement, of, you know, multiverse, of dimensions, what, what, what it really, really understanding what multiple dimensions actually is and means. Um, I think uh, you see it in movies and TV now, everything's the multiverse, right? It's the multiverse, quantum realm, yeah. different dimensions, um, yeah. you know, geared toward a geared towards children of an age where they're starting to form not only their opinion of the world, but what their place might be within it. Um, so this is how you inspire children to go into certain fields that we know in 50 or a hundred years, you know, we're going to have to make sure that, you know, that we've got good minds looking at and thinking in ways that we can't perceive right now. Otherwise, um, 
you know, either no advancement will be made or it'll be made by, you know, potentially an enemy or somebody who's got, you know, bad intentions. Um, you know, you can get into the, to all that. That's a whole other story. But I think that if you want to ensure that we're going to understand something that's so far advanced our own understanding, then you start with kids now and you, you create, uh, you know, you, or not that you create, but you, you help, help along anything that is going to uh, increase their interest in going into fields that will be beneficial to us as, you know, a country and humans in the future. You look at space race and what that did to inspire a generation of engineers, you know, right. kids love, mm -hmm. they got so excited by the rockets going to the, going up in space and then rockets to the oh, moon yeah. that they, they went into, into, you know, propulsion engineering. I mean, they went into fields that allowed a lot of incredible advancements to happen. And, and then who knows what we don't even know. That's right. And one of the things about, uh, you mentioned the possibility of the crash craft that comes up quite a bit and whether they're being reverse engineered or not. And if it comes to the point where these things are found out that they are, let's just say, interdimensional, I mean, I, I can't even understand if something that's interdimensional can stay in another dimension permanently right, right. or bounces okay. back or, you know, I mean, you would think that it would, would it be able to interact with something. our dimension. Yeah, it's like, how would it yeah. even be able to interact with our dimension? I guess if you think about it from the way of um, fish in a pond, right? They, they do not know that there is a world that exists above the water, right? Um, right. Not that they have that sort of consciousness, but let's, say, let's use them as an example. Um, they cannot exist in our world because mm. of the need for the water to live. They cannot exist out of their own world. A little bit different, right? But yet, we, with the right technology, can spend a lot of time in their world. We've got scuba, right? We've got snorkels. We've got, you know, holding our breath for a little bit. But just, we've got submarines. Um, we have technology that allows us to, you know, physically interact with their world, even though they cannot interact with ours. And mm. that's just because we develop technologies to do it. You know, a fishing, yeah. a fishing rod, a fishing line is a technology to interact with a world that cannot interact with us. Um, mm. That's if you really think about that, that's pretty fascinating. And it also is kind of scary because then you maybe start to feel bad about imposing yourself on something else's world that it doesn't have any understanding of. And, and you know, and if you look at even from an intelligence perspective, those fish have no possible means of understanding what we understand or our mm. world. It's not, they do not have the capability. Um, well, dolphins so, pretty close. <laughs> well, so, so like, look, you look at dolphins and, and whales as, as well, and, and we don't, we don't really understand what they understand. Octopus, mm. you know, we don't, we don't. Yeah. We all really very smart. Know. Yeah. Yeah, very. Mm -hmm. I mean, like with the things that octopus will do, you know, it's like they'll plan and then they'll execute on a plan inside our world and our environment. And they can live in both. You know, they can they can they can not for a long period of time, but they can they can interact with our world, even though their world is, you know, much more in that space. So maybe that's somehow, you know, some sort of example, like, you know, something that can. It lives in its own dimension, but it can it can come through. It knows how to come through and interact with ours limitedly. Um, 
but they just try to just trying to imagine what that means from an actual real scientific perspective i th think you know if if we're the fish we don't even have the brain chemistry to see what that looks like you know so it, it's going to take it's going to take time i think for someone to really find a way to to demonstrate or explain it in a way that doesn't you know that, that makes it accessible right because there any demonstrations now that are in layman's terms highlight the inaccessibility of us understanding those dimensions so if somebody can mm. you know explain it in a way that makes it accessible to understand and can't wait yeah yeah um getting back to skinwalker ranch um had you yourself had any experience like uh you're saying there's cameras everywhere so and and they're going all the time but have you yourself experienced you know something unusual there that every, was yeah, not everything that you saw in Every single yeah, thing you saw in season three and things that weren't in that in the in the episodes, I was I was right there front and center first. In fact, I think I might have been the first one to see the first UAP that we got that season. We had the UAPX guys out there, but it's it's the combination of things that takes place before and after the big phenomena thing that is most um, you know most incredible. So, you know, like the night that we had the astronomers out, you know, trying to fire the rocket. Um, you know, trying to get them to point their telescopes through the anomaly so we could fire a rocket and see if it did anything to that anomaly, as well as looking to see if there was a distortion of the stars. Um, and you know, the, the laser splitting, the, the 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 telescopes not working. If they if they tried to point towards the anomaly, they would turn, point away, and then delete that constellation from their database. Um, and and then we did get a rocket fired off, and then you know you know. It wasn't long after that suddenly in the southern sky, boom, there's a UAP with a black hole center moving across. And, you know, you always want to think, okay, well, plane, satellite, drone, whatever. And, of course, Eric's got the ADSB set up. He could say there's no planes, you know, and, and then all the other trackers. And I've used these as well, like satellite, ISS, rocket launch, you know, bright stars. Where You can look and say, is it any of those things when you know it's not? Um, and then you've got Travis there who's literally put satellites into space. He's got them in space. So he can tell us where it is that it is moving too slow at that low of an altitude, not to be into, you know, dangerous degradation and burn up in the, in the atmosphere. You know, the, the lower, the closer you are to earth, the faster you have to move to not decay. And right. so, mm -hmm. you know, it was so low. He's like, no way that cannot be a, a satellite and then when he when he used the the um, the camera to look at it it had a black hole center um hmm. and then that further looking at it made it more even you know more look like that sort of double um it's like a sphere that's almost kind of cut in half with a little bit of a separation um as well kind of you know it kind of looked like so yeah i saw that you know i saw the uapx uap i felt the mesa shake when we were when we were up there looking for um you know the holes with the smoke bombs and stuff like that um you know like, like an earthquake you know and, and, the one, and then travis saw that uap that we found on camera i've seen um orbs uh, on cameras move um i've seen animals do incredibly strange things. I saw a light in the woods. We all saw one night during an experiment that was not a light that made any sense, right? It was a, you know, it was as if somebody had the 
brightest yellow flashlight you ever saw, but the entire the entirety of its of its brightness and beam stayed within an inch away from the light, <laughs> you know, or from the, from the flashlight didn't spread um, and then moved up and then down and they disappeared. Like, you know, that that's, I've, I've seen heard, that with my I've, own eyes. I've heard similar stories to that, like a light that doesn't make any sense. That's yeah. you hear that a lot, like a, a either, yeah, either, that, that was, either a light beam or, you know, and that was, and what about the animals? Thing. What's yeah. What are the, the strange animals, things like, you saw? Was a, well, there was the uh, one of the cows that went down, um, you know, with just no no reason, and the cow just, uh, you know, just eventually died. I think. I mean, it just it just was a normal, healthy cow with no issues, and you know, then you do those they do those different, um, you know, studies, and and you find out that the cow died of something that you know would have taken years to happen and you would have noticed it for mm. a long time or their behavior just their behavior they all get herded into a corner it won't come out mm. of that corner for yeah, no reason that's a weird stuff there. radiation yeah. spikes that pop up out of nowhere gps showing up inside the mesa or underground like it doesn't you know things that just are, are just wild and weird um you know I didn't see any creatures personally. I didn't see any aliens or any creatures personally. Um, I didn't. Um, I didn't see stuff like. I I never seen anything move on its own, or you know, I, I, you see a lot of sort of after effects of something that could have happened, with the exception of then also. But I did see a lot of UAP, and I and we, and I did see the ability to trigger them to show up. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about what you're you're casting for, what you're doing, you and Dave Altman. I know he's been yeah. in the chat uh, tonight. So what is oh, it you're up to? In, yeah. Oh, look, I didn't yeah. even see this. I would have answered some questions if anybody asked me any questions. Oh, yeah, um, we have we have one. Let me pull one up I saw a while back. I, I, I always forget I to have, look. Uh, yeah. So, well, I will say to the last part of the show, if you have a question, instead of me looking for them, if you have a question you want to post that I can um, ask our great guests tonight, just put it in all caps and I'll make sure that I ask it. But let's talk and about the show for show in the meantime. Yeah, so um, yeah. we're doing a, a series uh, for a major cable network um, at a really cool location. But the show is really focused on people who have had sightings or encounters who have stories and or evidence to have the opportunity for the top experts in this world, in this field, analyze and review the stories and any evidence they have, do deep research into it to be able to provide them with an answer as to what it was that they experienced. Um, and so we're looking for people with stories, footage, experiences that we could bring value to by giving you an, a, as close to a definitive answer as possible as to, you know, what your experience or sighting or evidence is. Um, you know, it could be, you've got video of a UFO and you want to know, is that just Starlink or is that something completely unexplainable? And so, you know, taking that and not just doing the video analysis, but looking at all the details that surround um, that sighting to look at other data that 
you may not have thought of that exists that could help, you know, either, either, um, corroborate the, the claim or help further, um, prove the unidentified nature of it or offer a, a, you know, a, a real, like a reasonable or, or almost uh, logical, uh, mundane explanation, um, just so there's mm -hmm. an there's as close to an answer as possible. So this could be, you know, I, I was, you know, abducted, uh, alien abduction scenario. This is seeing something, this or or uh, had an experience, and then I had these marks, or this changed in my life in a certain way, or I've got this piece of evidence. You know, I've got a photo. My grandfather shared stories. Maybe he was an in intelligence. We could need to find out. Anything you could think of in that way would be a huge, you know, um, that would be a huge. Um, uh, value to you to get answers on, you know, we're going to, we're going to hear your story. We're going to get your evidence. We're going to get it analyzed, get it researched. Then we're going to pay you and fly you out and put you up to our awesome, cool place where anybody listening and watching would definitely want to go where you'll meet with then the, the hosts that will um, share the results of, of the entire analysis with you. So it's a really cool opportunity for people to get some answers that, um, that they haven't gotten before because we have the ability to, to have people go very deep into the, into the research and data and correlations and, and all that. Is this so anybody who went now is no, no, this is a six episode series. This is a series. Oh, great. great. Excellent. As early yeah, so, as May. Oh, so, how yeah. about that? It's, so it's we, legit, we have right? the links down below that uh, people can actually reach out to you. Uh, yeah, real realufoshow.com is the easiest way to get to it. You could always find me at Strange Story Co. on all social media or strangestory.com. But if you want to go right to the casting uh, sort of submission link, it's realufoshow.com. Yes, I had someone I've been talking to, Dave Altman, who's involved in this as well. And I had someone I thought would be great, but I'm just not getting a response from them. And yeah, that happened. Yeah. And uh, she, uh, I see a question in all caps, yeah. which is a, which is a yeah. great question. Have you duplicated any tests conducted? Oh, by the let, me, let me get that. We'll get that. We'll get, we'll get to your question. Uh, Bambi in just a minute. Okay. okay. There you go. Have you duplicated so any tests is, conducted by the NIDS team? Oh yeah. Yeah. If, hmm. Whoever doesn't know NIDS is national Institute of discovery scientists. It was the scientific team that Bigelow put together. John Alexander ran all that. To go ahead, yeah, John Alexander, to go ahead and, and try to do and to conduct some some research. Um, when that, you know, when they finished, that's when um, DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, came in and they established BASS and ALSAP to then do their that research on the ranch uh, right after NITS. But so we we specifically in season three wanted to try to stimulate phenomena using a Bigelow era experiment that Bigelow did where he dug trenches and John Colonel Alexander came out and he gave us some great information and Intel. And we brought a giant bulldozer out and re, you know, went to where those trenches were dug and the, this brand new newly serviced, brand new, brand new battery, all electronics, giant industrial bulldozer took one pass with the blade and then died. It wouldn't start yeah. and nobody could figure out why. Um, and and then when Eric went back to the command center to get uh, uh, some testing tools, uh, he saw on the monitor a massive radiation spike where we were. So we all had to evacuate. Mm. So we wow. went back yeah. that night 
and yeah. decide to observe yeah. from a distance, right? We observe from a distance. That's when, when we got there is when I saw that yellow light. I think Thomas and Caleb saw it and went running after it as well. But when we got there, you know, we, we set up and um, to observe the bulldozer area. And we fired a rocket as we do because firing a rocket seems to trigger things. And from exactly where the rocket was like went up, pointed our you know the Yagi antenna and got that 1.65 gigahertz signal. And that's when Travis, Travis flipped on the sound and we heard that what he called a communication sound. And that signal went on for like an hour. And you know, he, as he explains. You know, it can't be a star because we would have rotated away from it by now. It can't be a satellite because satellites are moving unless it's something that is in geosynchronous orbit directly with the ranch. Because you move the antenna just a, a tiny little bit and the signal was gone. And it was coming from directly where we shot the rocket. Um, then we took that that sound from that signal to an FM radio station that was having... Um, some interference difficulties and, and said, is this the same sounds that you heard? And it was a couple sounds of this. She said, yes. And then she broadcast the sound over her airwaves. And then the next morning at the hotel, I was stopped by one of the kids that worked there. Um, and he said to me, Hey, I got to show you something. Of course, I'm like, I'm late. I got to get to say, you know, check this out. And he shows me on his phone, him and his neighbors out in their front yard, looking up at the sky with all these red dots appearing and disappearing. Um, and, that was within hours of the broadcast of the signal. So that all came from mm. that recreation of the Bigelow experiment. But as, as Colonel Alexander said, they yeah. just didn't have the type of equipment we had, you know, so, so he didn't really think that um, it would be, you know, that it was strange that they didn't catch evidence like we catch. They had experiences here and, and, and saw things, but they couldn't capture evidence necessarily like we were able to, because they just didn't have the technology time and with the growth of ai who knows what type of technology we'll have upcoming really that's right that's true yeah yeah bambi dudley she's uh helped me get guests on the show many times hi bambi have you ever discovered anything buried underground yeah um the the episode with tom lewis got rushed to the hospital was um we identified a spot looking for the bigelow caves and then um, from Chris Bartell, who used to be a military guard there during the OSAP days. Um, you know, he remembers where there were caves. And then we had the GPS anomaly when it was flying up around through the anomaly about triangle. The GPS showed it was inside the Mesa at the same spot that Kevin or that, that um, Chris Bartell um, said it was in. We went out there, looked at the location, brought a blaster, professional blaster out who said it looked like. Um, this was demoed intentionally to cover something up because there's no other reason to do it. Dropped smoke bombs down the holes, then smoke was sucked back in. So and brought out a lateral drilling crew that went under the, you know, sort of the water channel there and went into that spot of the mesa um, and wasn't returning spoils, which meant there's some, it was hollow. And then it hit a, a solid hard, hard object. And when it did, we started getting these flakes of metal um, that we had analyzed, but also at the same time got that high pitched sound that came in at 1.65 gigahertz and broadcast itself over the walkie talkies, which is what Tom Lewis heard, which caused him to drop to his knees and have the heart incident. But then the drill bit, you know, it couldn't go through. And these are, you know, Utah drillers. They don't have bits that can't go through anything. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it, instead it went down 
and around, and it created a graph of a like 400 foot wide dome shaped object under the under the mesa. Wow. So yeah, there's something something there. That's bizarre. So it was it was so hard that they couldn't drill through it, basically. Whatever. Yeah, it was. I mean, look, this is this is like that's the funny thing about the ranch. Everyone comes on and says, "Oh, I got I got the you can't even get my equipment. It's so good. It's not it's not going to fail." And then it fails. And they're like, "I don't know what happened." And the drillers again. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are this is Utah. This is what these guys do for a living. They've got contracts with giant corporations. You know, trillion dollar you know organizations. They know how to drill. They know what they know what to bring. They know what to know. So there's no reason why the bit. There's nothing that we know of in this area that can stop a, our drill bit. It doesn't make sense. A so. big, huge diamond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. Let's see. Uh, this is a question. It's not Skinwalker Ranch, but it's a question people ask often. And that is uh, another thing that doesn't make logical sense to me is why UFOs do not have, uh, would have lights at all. Uh, I've had, maybe I've they don't. Maybe we just perceive time. it as light. You know, maybe it's just, maybe it's just a, an artifact of the propulsion system. And we, yeah, that's what, you know, that's we understand it as is lights on an airplane. So we are calling it lights, like it's lights on an airplane, but it may not be. It may just be yeah. that they are, you know, they are reflecting light. They're refracting light. They're generating heat energy. That's that we are seeing in the form of light. It could be an electrical charge that, you know, would, would have, uh, that would emit, you know, light. I mean, one of the, one of the, the, the best time to see UFOs is as the sun setting. You know, be, and and there's some different theories, but you you know, I, and you could see this. I'm out in Joshua Tree, and I'm looking up at the sky all day long, and I don't see a single satellite or plane. The second the sun goes behind the horizon, and it but it's still bright out, I see all the satellites and the planes. It's, it has something to do with the way that the that they you know reflect the light off of the sun. So who knows where these things are actually in space? That maybe there maybe it's got something to do with that. Um, you know, light came coming through the window, coming through the car. Again, it could just be that it is, um, you know, the light it's giving off. Um, or it could be, you know, look, if, if they have a technology that enables them to interact with the space at a distance from themselves through something that, you know, uh, produces light on its way to you, you know, then maybe that's what the light is. Maybe it's, maybe not, you know, it's just because we see light from UFOs doesn't mean the intention is that they're needing to use light to do what they're doing. Mm. It could be literally a side effect of what they're doing, not an intention. Yeah, that makes all right. Makes I, I'll time for one more, and then I got to go. If you want to see if there's one, yeah, more yeah. I think that's that you I like. think that's uh, you know, okay. uh, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's good. Okay, so I put in the chat, I'm going to put it one more time. Uh, for the people who are live right now in the chat and YouTube, that is, uh, that's a casting link. And um, if you forget that, or if you're listening to this in the audio podcast, just go to our show notes. It'll be right there. It's realufoshow.com. But thank you, Mark. It's been exceptional. I really, uh, really appreciate the conversation. It's been real good. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on, Martin. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, anytime. I'm happy to come back and and talk more but i thank you for your time and thank you for everyone yeah, who that would tuned in that would be fun all right everyone so we'll see you we have a show coming up on tuesday with uh garrett graff and uh we'll see you next time keep your eyes to the sky mm -hmm.